with the smaller boat, it cost 5000 So that was an upfront cost, but all of like the hidden things like toilet paper, it's almost like $7 for four rolls because of special marine toilet paper. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 84 with Nicole Young. Nicole reached out to me because she was a listener of the show who also happened to have bought two different houseboats and retrofitted them to be used as Airbnb hotel rooms. I've been wanting to talk with someone about houseboats for a while, and Nicole was the perfect guest. We get into why houseboats, could you live full time in these boats, what are the costs for parking a houseboat, what does it take to, to repair and buy a used houseboat, and also into the business side of how do you successfully run an Airbnb when your hotel room is floating on the water. Nicole is really great and very transparent about the numbers and about how she did what she did, so I hope you'll listen in. But before we get started, if you have questions that you'd like me to answer live on the Tiny House Lifestyle podcast, I've opened a new way for you to submit them. You can now record a question to be answered on the show. To submit your question, head over to thetinyhouse.net slash ask and hit the appropriate button. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash ask, where you can record a question for me to answer on the show. I love hearing from listeners, and I can't wait to answer your tiny house questions, whether it's building, living, or anything related to the tiny house lifestyle. Everything is fair game. Head over to thetinyhouse.net slash ask to submit your question today. Right, I am here with Nicole Young. Nicole is the owner of two floating bed and breakfasts, affectionately named the Lois Elaine and Stanley Lee after her great-grandparents. Her desire and dream was to combine in-keeping with houseboat living, and it has actualized. She has had the Lois Elaine since 2016 and the Stanley Lee since 2019. She loves niche and sensorial experiences, so the houseboats have given her a chance to let her creativity and passion run wild. Nicole Young, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ethan. It's fun to be here. Yeah, and we were just chatting before the show, and um, I'm so curious, um, you know, why houseboats? What, what drew you to them? So, you know, I've always wanted to be like an innkeeper and own houseboats. And I loved like being on water. Um, I really liked that aspect of them. Not that I had been on a ton of them before. And I liked that it was a smaller space that you could, you know, really like build relationships and you're learning how to share. And uh -huh. it just always seemed like almost like picture perfect to me, you know, living on the water and, um, and I guess like being, you know, with the earth. And so it just always was something uh, that really called to me. That's really cool. 
whenever I see houseboats, I, I say to myself, like, oh, I want to do that. But wow, I'll bet there's like so much about them that you don't think about. Like, have you what have you run into in owning houseboats that you just never thought you would have to deal with? Oh, my gosh. So like the biggest thing that I run into um, is like the waste treatment system in the bathrooms, like the bathtub or the toilet, because there's certain like pumps, you know, to pump out into like a waste tank. And then I'm thankful because here in Norfolk, um, and Virginia Beach as well, and some of the surrounding cities, they offer free pump out. But your boat has to be has to be in the dock a certain way because kind of like if you are waiting for cable or for the internet and they give you that window of time, that's the same way that it is like with getting the boat pump if you're if the front of your houseboat like, so they don't have to get on it to actually pump out your boat is facing another way. Uh, so that has been very interesting. And then I would say like, just, just in general, like, I like that, you know, I'm floating on water, but I'm not trying to have to get into the boat. And so uh, the bilge pump for both boats and, you know, wondering like, hey, where did this wet spot come from? And finding out that, you know, there are hoses that aren't hooked up. And it's a lot, it's a lot of like flying by the seat of my pants. And then there's more of it where I just have to, because it is a business, I just have to pay somebody to do the work. And I have someone who can come out and do it. Like say if, you know, me or my boyfriend can't figure it out. And so it's wonderful in terms of having the resource, but the issues that you come up against, it's just like, okay, I guess that's just another thing to deal with. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's in a lot of ways mirrors the tiny house movement in general, where, you know, all of these people, myself included, decide to take on building a house themselves, which they've never done before. And there's just so much to learn, but then you kind of come out the other end and you figure out that you're actually, you know, competent at at carpentry and plumbing and electrical and just like all these things. Right. And and it's it's a really good feeling. Definitely. So let's let's talk specifics about about these boats. So the first one is named the Lois Elaine, right? Mhm. And um can you tell us about her like you know, how long, how tall, like what, what are the sure. features and amenities? Sure. So um, she's 37 feet and she's a holiday mansion. And so what I really liked about the boat, um, I found it in November of 2016 on Craigslist mm -hmm. and it was in the same slip until like May of this year. And it felt more like a home, like instead of, you know, like a sailboat, or like a catamaran it felt like there were individual spaces um that were demarcated in some way so it's like you have a living room area and then you have like a cabin below you have a little bathroom and then also like a kitchen area uh -huh. and so it just felt so um homey and in some regards it felt roomy as well and so 
with that one, I have like a love of house plants. And so I put a ton of them in there like over time. And so now it's more like a houseboat jungle. Um, but people see, you know, the pictures before, you know, they book a stay and whatnot. Right. But um, but yeah, that's definitely the configuration of the boat. And I really like that style of boat. I wanted to, I stayed on a houseboat in Richmond, um, like prior to buying the one that I bought in 2016. And what I liked is that there were demarcations in the space. And so you felt like, you know, you had your bedroom and you had this area, you had that area, even though it all flowed together and you could, you know, you can stand in one part of the boat and see all of it, but it just felt like there was that separation. And so I really, really liked that. And I would say just about like the houseboats in general, since I am like in the Hampton Roads area and there's a lot of water here and the temperature, I mean, gosh, you know, it's October the 2nd and it's over 90 degrees here. Oh my gosh. So yeah. And so I thought that it was like feasible in terms of, you know, turning it into or wanting it to be a business that it doesn't get particularly like bone chilling cold down here. Uh So it could be something that could be year round, you know, um, so yeah, that was for the first one. And then, oh, I'm sorry. And then the name, of course, like came from, uh, my grandmother. I initially moved to the Hampton Roads area uh-huh. to, um, for my job was relocating. And when I got here, I moved in with my grandparents, which was wonderful. My grandfather was 90 and my grandmother was 86, um, but I got down here late 2015 and by August of 2016, she had died. And then it was kind of like my, you know, homage to my grandmother. And so, cause I wanted people to feel the same way that she made me feel when I would always come to her and my grandfather's home. So that's where like the name comes from. That's really sweet. Thank you. So I'm curious. Um, well, I have so many questions. The first one is, I feel like I've seen houseboats featured, you know, on Tiny House Talk and, and various places, and they look different. Like, they look like almost like a barge, and then somebody has, like, taken that flat surface and then, like, built, uh, stick-framed a house on top of it. And and your boats look like boats. I mean, they look like houseboats, but they also look like boats. I'm curious... Is there a different name for for that style or is it just um, it all just falls under houseboat? So it's interesting that you asked that question, because when I first started doing this, I took a trip out to um, Seattle and to Portland because I was like, I don't know. I don't know anywhere where they do it better than out west. And so I contacted, you know, people who were renting out their place like via Airbnb. And I had a girl who um, she was just wonderful. And she took me around her entire marina where she was at. And what I found is that they have a slat that's like on the water and then they build from there. So like they're just considered more like homes on the water and within the marina, there's different moorages 
or like how much everyone is paying for their slip for their, you know, floating home. And so it's interesting because when I got back, I was kind of like, wow, I was like, okay, so you're, you're not as affected by the water, which is nice because you have that like slat underneath the home. And then on top of that, you get the benefits of like being on the water. And so, like you said, it's like a home built on the water. It's not necessarily a houseboat. It's more like a floating home, less floating than, than say mine, you know, but I will say with the boats that I have since they're, they're so close, like to the water line, Uh you don't, really feel the water as much especially on the one that's 50 feet um because you know it's just it's just a heavy boat it's just a longer boat it's got like a 14 um foot beam and so you're not going to feel the water as much but when you are like further down the pier like say if I was at the marina um where I used to be at and you could feel the waves a lot more depending on, you know, what size of boat you're on. But yeah, though, there are, there are definitely differences. And I think too, when people go inside, because when you first approach the boat, they, they do, you know, they look like boats, you know, right. but, but when you go into them though, they have like that homier feel and you can definitely since the difference like if you're on you know sailboat were they already like these were already set up as houseboats you didn't have to like buy this boat and then install a kitchen right no i didn't i didn't nice okay so yeah out of curiosity what you know if somebody were to live in this boat as their full-time residence you know first of all could they and you know what are what are the costs like what if somebody was living in the Lois Elaine rather than having it be a rental like what would their costs be in terms of docking I guess you call it like what's even the right word yeah about say yeah you're docked and so you have a slip fee that's exactly right it depends upon with marinas usually depends upon the length so when I was at the marina with the thirty seven foot boat it was a little bit under four eighty a month. Okay. Um, and then they also will charge you the marinas that do this. If you are staying there like month to month or long term, and if you're doing like a year, usually they can take something, you know, reduce the price a bit because you're going to be there longer, and they know that you know the slip will be filled. And then in terms of like if you're a long term, if you're If you're going to be at the marina for a long time, a few things you have to make sure of, which, of course, you know, over time, you just learn things. At my marina and at many marinas, when it gets below like 32 degrees, the pipes are at risk for freezing. So they cut off the water. So you need to make sure that your tanks are filled so that you have water for like anything that the boat would be pumped for water. Now, um, I could use the toilet, but like anything coming out of a faucet, it was a no-go. And so definitely the fresh water in the tanks and cleaning out the tanks and then filling them up 
in addition to that, if you're going to be hooked up to the power at the dock, which is all included in the slip fee. Okay, so the electricity and water are all included in your in your slip fee. Right, right. Normally, now I don't know with like other marinas, but I know that in like the Hampton Roads area with the longer term rentals, mm-hmm. that normally all that is just rolled up into your slip fee and yeah, with electricity, making sure that your dock, that your power lines are good because, you know, they're, they're open to like, they're not covered. I mean, they're, they're covered, you know, because you have the, it's like when you're putting a plug into a socket, but it's inside. And so it's not going to be privy to like the weather. And when it rains or when there's a lot of sun, like, Everything is, everything is at mother nature's like beck and call. Like the other day I was at the boat and I was like, why isn't the air conditioning working? And, you know, why is the refrigerator off? Because one of the, or the only electrical line had burnt out one of the sockets. And so, you know, thank God I had another one that I could put in. But I mean, I guess that, you know, with, the smaller boat, it costs 5000 So that was an upfront cost, but all of like the hidden things like the, or not the hidden things, but the things you don't think about or that I didn't think about, like toilet paper, it's almost like $7 for four rolls because of special marine toilet paper. Ah, okay. And like, you know, the odor, there's odor control that you can put into the toilet because it's a waste tank. And that's almost like $17, $18. And so the toilet bowl cleaner, you know, that's another like $17. And so when they're on sale, I just stock up at, right. um, you know, our marine place that we have locally. And so those are the things that it's just like, oh gosh. Or like when the air went out a couple of years in um, July, and I had someone who was staying on there for like a month, a month and a half. Oh, wow. And I had to order another one, but it's like the camper air conditioner. And so to get it to come to the marina and have someone like bring it down a dock and even like with getting a mattress delivered. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of intricacies, you know, but I'm yeah. sure you know, people living in small spaces are like, okay, but even when I had like a couch delivered to the bigger one not long ago, and they're like, you know, oh, and I was like, yeah, I was like, I did tell them that this was not like a home on <laughs> land. You know, this is, yeah, this is a boat. And so it's always interesting. So did you say that you were, you bought the first boat for $5,000? Yeah, I bought the first boat for 5000 That's, I mean, just those numbers of, you know, $5,000 for a 37-foot home mm-hmm. that costs roughly four to $500 a month for a place to park it, that's, that's appealing. Yeah, it is. And so then was the expansion to the second boat were you looking to do it or did it did like some boat come across your radar and you're like, that's a great deal. I got to do it. Well, 
I had always wanted to get a second boat that I could accommodate more people on. This one, the total number is six, unless you, you know, want to put the one on the couch and maybe an air mattress. I mean, if you're really trying to stretch uh, the limit. And I wanted, because I was booked up so far for the other one, I wanted to be able to provide more options for people if they wanted to come aboard. And so it just so happened that I had rented out the houseboat to a wonderful, you know, friend. She's now my friend. And she actually met a guy while she was staying on the boat and she bought a boat and they moved on it. They got married. They're having a child now. And so I bought the boat from her. And it was just, I mean, it was just great timing. It was really great timing. And they had, because she had stayed on my boat, they had used the same people to do some of the work on the boat that she had. And so it turned out, you know, beautifully because I didn't have to go and get like the survey done because we use the same surveyor and contractor to do work. And so I already knew, you know, that it wasn't a lemon or anything. And so in regards to like doing the work, well, I, I paid 18 five for the boat. And I mean, it has like a cabin where you have like a closet, not like a walk-in closet, but it's a good amount of space though. And you have like six drawers you can put your stuff in and you have a desk and then a queen size bed and a bathroom that has like two entrances you can enter from the kitchen like if there are guests there and if, if you're just you know in the master then you can open up a door in that bedroom they're not like it's not like a huge space but uh-huh. it's enough so that you feel like there's some separation um, there, there's windows all around it. So it feels very light and bright. There's an outdoor space right on the back of, of the master cabin. And then as you flow, like into the kitchen, there's a full size fridge. There's, you know, a nice size pantry, lots of drawers. And then you go into the living space and I mean, you can easily, you know, sit seat five, you know, or six in there. Well, yeah, six, you can easily seat six and, you know, you can look out on the water and you can lock it up and you can have, you know, people, there's a cabin, um, you walk down some stairs and there's another cabin with two full beds. And so wow. people, yeah. So, I mean, it's like, you know, if you're, if you're a person, you know, you're looking for, you know, some adventure to do something different. It's not so different that you feel like, oh gosh, like, you know, I feel so, you know, far removed, but it's different enough so that you're having, you know, your experience. It's an experience. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I want to talk more about that creating an experience. Um, but I first wanted to say that the you know, there's lots of great photos, which I will post on the show notes page for this episode, which is thetinyhouse.net slash 084. And um, I will also link to both of the Airbnb listings because you can actually stay in these houseboats. And I want to encourage people to do that if they're thinking about 
a houseboat or even just, you know, tiny house living. Like it's so important to just experience living in a small space. Um, and so before we talk about kind of creating experience and kind of the business side, I wanted to ask, you know, is this the kind of thing that the marina, like, do they know you're airbnb it? Or do you kind of have to like be a little bit on the DL? Oh, well, I'm glad that you asked that. I was honest with them from the time it started. So November 2016. And then um, (laughs) they were kind of, well, one person in particular was kind of like, you know, if I had known, you know, kind of like what I knew now, I probably wouldn't have allowed it. But it happened. So (laughs) I think, I think that, um, with the way that the Marina was like came under new ownership and they didn't want to do short-term rentals anymore. And I think that some people don't disclose it because they're afraid like, Hey, I have this, you know, and I won't be able to do it. And so it is unfortunate, but at the same time though, you know, I would tell anybody to be honest and open about it. And it was great because I was able to move to a private dock oh, not too far away from the marina. So it worked out really, really well. So out of that kind of losing your parking spot, you actually found something that much better. Yes. And are there any like regulations or, you know, like for tiny houses on wheels, the concern is always like, are you allowed to live in it? I guess when you're doing it as a short-term rental, it probably doesn't even matter. Yeah, I was about to say, there, so in Norfolk, one of the issues that I'm running up against that I'm actually in the process of actively looking at is the fact that, that you know, we have zoning and planning regulations and rules, but they don't really have any jurisdiction over the water. So it's more so coming to a resolution with, with, I guess, like other parts of the city to try to see, because with something being like zone residential, like Airbnb is still residential, but there's a business aspect to it. So it's like no one really knows what to do. So the solution is just to shut it down. Which, you know, I'm like, well, that's not, you know, I've complied with all the rules and, um, you know, I'm at the point where I'm just kind of like, well, you know, let me talk to my councilwoman, like, let me see if there's anything that we can do to remedy it or I'll have to like move it again. And so Mm. that's like the, that, that can be like the bad part of it. But I feel like when you're upfront about it and when you're like, hey, you know, I'm a contributing member to the community. And if you're, you know, if you're going the business route with it, then right. people are more um, amenable to working with you. And, you know, if it's something that's, you know, positive, I would say. But I still think that those are the things that you come up against with anything because when you're doing something that is a little bit more like outside of the box, then 
some people, you know, may feel like, you know, hey, this is intruding upon maybe my space or what I'm doing. But a lot of the times, though, having those conversations, it really takes the edge off of things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, though, you know, if you're not doing anything to hurt anyone, um, like if you have a business, then, you know, sometimes you have to go above people's heads. And yeah. I would say that's the thing with like Airbnb. Like when I look at, you know, the rules, a lot of rules across the country, you know, it just kind of seems like, why would you, why would you put restrictions on somebody who's renting out, or why would you put such stringent restrictions on somebody who's renting out a room versus someone who is renting out a hotel, like the types of, you know, sales tax and that sort of thing. And I'm like, are you kind of hoping that that person won't do it? Because that's what it almost veers towards because, you know, no one wants to get in trouble. I mean, it's so funny because I've learned so much like about the city council, about zoning, about planning, about ordinances and variances. I mean, I'm kind of like, you know, this is a lesson and I'm sure so many people um, who are dealing, you know, with tiny homes and that sort of stuff I mean we all go through like very similar things because people don't really know where to put us right right and especially a houseboat I feel like it's a a niche with a niche within a niche (laughs) yeah (laughs) so from the perspective of you know running this as a business when you initially reached out to me you kind you used some language that I really loved and it's in your bio, which is, you know, creating a sensorial experience for guests. I'm curious what, you know, what does that mean to you? How do you define that? So I define that as having an experience where you are really delving into being in relation with people. So you're having a conversation you're communicating without the outside noise of TV and cars buzzing around and people walking around. You're really tuning into like one another. And, and the reason why I wanted to provide that to guests who are coming aboard is because that is what my grandparents' house was like, you know, when we had dinner time, we were turning off the TV, we were sitting around the table, we were talking, we were laughing. And, you know, I mean, of course, now you have, you know, so many mechanisms where you can go back and watch stuff. But for me, though, I was like, how can I give people like, a memory making experience of something where they can be like, Hey, we talked about this or, you know, it was just wonderful sitting with you, like smelling the water and looking at it and looking at one another, even people that come on as individuals. Like I wanted to provide like a really relational experience so that they could feel, you know, rested when they left the boat, even if they're only on there for a few hours or if it's an overnight. I always wanted, you know, that 
to depart with them. And I feel like in, in a lot of ways, you know, that's been accomplished and not only because like people will return for like, oh, you know, we became engaged on here or we celebrate an anniversary or, you know, we found out we were pregnant. We want to come take, you know, pictures here. But also because of the notes that people will write, there's a guest book. And, you know, when they write things or when they draw things or someone came up with like a playlist one time, you know, it just makes me think like, it's awesome to have, you know, space and a place for people to, you know, really commune together. I mean, you know, that's, you know, you, you feel a bit like you're frozen in time. You know, you can just, you can just sit, you know, anywhere on the boat and you just, you know, you're, you're kind of taken away, like your burdens, you know, ease a little bit, you know, your shoulders go down a little bit. And yeah. so I really wanted to um, provide that experience to guests. Nice. I, and I think that that's, that is something that's really nice about Airbnb is that for those of us who don't want the, the kind of sanitized hotel experience, you can really find funky, cool places to stay, like houseboats and tree houses and tiny houses. And mm-hmm. it's really, it's kind of makes traveling for, for my wife and I, like we, I can't tell you the last time we stayed in a, in a Marriott, you know, like we, yeah. we always find something cool on Airbnb. Yes. That's the best part. I feel like, and and when you, and when like you meet the owners behind like where the place is, you're just like, Oh my yeah. gosh. Like, I wish that I could have more time with you. So how involved are you with the day to day? Like, are you doing the cleaning and like meeting the guests and letting them onto the boat? Or have you kind of created systems and have others who do this for you? Ethan, I, I wish I, I would have created a system. <laughs> um, gosh, I really do. Um, I basically with my boyfriend, um, we'll do everything, you know, he'll fix it if it needs something that, if it needs something done. And then I will, um, I'll go and clean it and make sure, you know, like it's stylized in the correct way, you know, for guests to not look at the pictures, then come and be like, Hey, like what's going on here? This looks way different. And so, you know, I'm, I'm along with him pretty much every man and woman. I've tried like outsource a couple of things, but I guess it's hard to kind of like teach people what's in your head or even with like cleaning, it's hard to tell someone like, hey, you know, this isn't like cleaning a home. This is an Airbnb where the reviews are tied to what the space looks like. So I need it to look exactly like this. You know, I need this turned. Right. It has to look exactly like the picture. Right. I need this turned exactly this way. And, you know, I'm all about like people being paid fairly and honoring people's time. And so I'm also like, you know, I'd have to get a couple of people because you know, if a booking comes up quickly, then I would need them there. And so I want to be able to pay someone fairly or two people fairly 
And then I want to be able to, you know, honor their time and honor mine. And I have like some things like I have my checklist, you know, for whoever it is in the future that may be hired. Yeah. But the thing that I don't have, you know, is the correct person. And I guess it's just something that you almost just kind of take a leap and do. I was talking with a fellow business owner, Kim, who, you know, she's just a glorious person. And she was telling me, you know, just to, you just got to kind of do it. And so I'm thinking that I may have to like in 2020, you know, to, so that I can focus on some other things within the business that I just don't have the time to right now. Yeah. You know, as somebody who's kind of been on that path of like building a team and and really trying to bring people on so that I can do more and offer more tiny house resources and help to people. Somebody gave me really good advice that, you know, it's never going to be done the way that you do it. But you have to be okay with that. You have to kind of empower somebody else to make the choices and like they're going to do it their way but not your way and it just it was interesting to hear that as a reminder like that the goal isn't to have them do it the way that you do it but you know to find somebody who has their own sense for this and have them do it the way that they do it you know Mm -hmm. that is so scary i know i know (laughs) tell me about it But obviously, though, that is a way to, you know, grow and expand, you know, and if not, you know, in the way of like money and stuff, but just to just to be able, you know, to meet new people and maybe they get ideas and, you know, I'm encouraged by that. But at the same time, I'm just like, oh, gosh, you know, and, and I went out on a limb a couple of times. And I was like, gosh. And so. I mean, you're not going to be able to add a third boat if you don't <laughs> figure that out. Right. You are <laughs> right. You are so right. <laughs> well, one thing that I like to ask all my guests is what are two or three, you know, resources that helped you out along the way, you know, either in helping you learn business or Airbnb or just in the tiny house world that you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, great. Um, so one of the things, um, that has definitely helped me in terms of, in terms of a book, I read a lot of Malcolm Gladwell's book and, you know, I guess on the surface, they don't seem to be like really tied to it, but I feel like he goes like really deep into the thinking process and why, you know, these things are correlated with one another and how it kind of all goes back to, you know, one certain thing. And so I like those because I feel like to be creative, you know, you need, you need those people who may not be doing the exact same thing as you, but you're getting deeper into a different thought process and it may bring you to a different facet of your business. And so for me, I really like reading his books. And then um, 
also his podcast as well. I think it's very interesting. Revisionist history. Yes. Yeah, I like that one too. Yes, I really, really like that. And then I would say the second thing is that I do listen to a lot of podcasts and I'm trying to think of like one. I it's not really like one. I listen to um like yours, of course, um, Lacey Phillips expanded. Um there's a couple of other like business ones that of course I'm blanking with right now. Um I listen to the the Wall Street Journal podcast and Planet Money. Nice. Yeah, I think that those are really good ones in terms of like being in business. Anything like finance related, I'm pretty much about because it feels like at times, you know, when things are going good, they're going really good. But when you have to fix something or when you have to go and pick up more you know, $7 toilet paper. It's just like, man, oh man. You know, I I got to a point one time I was like, why is this toilet paper being used so rapidly? But it's like, you know what? If people want to use a lot of toilet paper, let them. It's just an expense of the business. And so shifting my mind in that way has really helped. And, you know, just not being as, you know, frugal as I was in the past, but still thinking about like durability and longevity. Yeah. Wow. Well, those are some great recommendations. And uh, Nicole Young, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I think people are going to learn a lot from this conversation. And and if anything, they're going to get inspired to to check out Houseboats. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ethan. I really appreciate your time. And if anyone has any questions, like feel free to reach out to me. Nice. I love talking about this. <laughs> cool. Well, as I mentioned, the show notes page will be the tinyhouse.net slash 084. And that is where you'll find all of Nicole's stuff. Thank you so much to Nicole Young for being a guest on the show. You can find the show notes from today's episode, including links to both of Nicole's houseboats and lots of great photos at thetinyhouse.net slash 084. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 084. It's been a while since I've said it, so I'll say it again. You are the reason that I make the Tiny House Lifestyle podcast. I love hearing from my listeners, and I really appreciate when listeners share the show with other people who are interested in tiny houses. There's just a tiny fraction of people who like tiny houses, are interested in the movement, and also listen to podcasts. And we've built up such a great catalog of shows. And this has really become now a library of information for tiny house hopefuls, and it's completely free. So do your friends a favor, pick up their phone and say, hey, have you ever heard of the Tiny House Lifestyle podcast? And subscribe them. Another great way to spread the word about the show is to share your favorite episode on social media. Bonus points if you go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. Your reviews help others find the Tiny House Lifestyle podcast and helps us reach more people. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle podcast.